podcast, Ricky LeBlue. It's just you and I once again. Andrew, his radio career has come to a close. He's getting ready to move to Charlotte. Thus, it's you and I doing this podcast this evening. Yeah, like he's a little busy at the moment, um, considering he's moving to Charlotte, uh, which, you know, again, congrats to, to Andrew. And um, I know he's had a lot of fun working in Blacksburg doing radio, you know, for covering a, a program that's your alma mater you know, as, as someone who was fortunate enough to, to be able to do that in a different capacity, I, I know what it's like to st- step away from that. And I'm sure it's not, um, it's kind of bittersweet for him, but Andrew will be back uh, once he gets, um, gets situated and settled in. But, you know, we, we promised that we would have a, a podcast to kind of go over some of the basketball acquisitions and uh, defections from the roster. And there's a lot like this roster looks almost entirely different, especially in the front court. Um, And even on the bench, like this roster is going to be completely different than what it was last year in those, in those areas. Yeah. I mean, the front court definitely looking different. Kevin Aluma definitely going pro Justin Mott's, he graduated Friday, as we sit here recording Friday night. He recorded today, or he graduated today. Which shout out to all the today. all the hookies graduating. That's um, yeah, Couture and Aline and well, yeah, everybody else too. But yeah, I, I mean, like, I mean, the entire student base. Like, <laughs> yeah, you and I, you and I were there at one point in time, so we can yeah, for sure we can appreciate how awesome it is to to graduate from Virginia Tech. So congratulations, but. For sure. Yeah, Mutt's most likely not returning. Yeah, most likely not returning. So Virginia Tech needed help in the front court, right? And I mean, let, let's start with the transfers and we can kind of get into, you know, some of the freshmen, right? Um, but to start with the transfers, uh, David Gusan's transferring out, John Ogiaco transferring out, Nahim Aline transferring out. So let's start there. Um, are you surprised by any of those? I mean, those are three major rotational players mo- moving on outside of Mutz, Mutz, assuming, and Aluma, who definitely is moving on. I wouldn't classify Ogiaco as a major rotation guy. I mean, they... Yeah, yeah. outside of Ogiaco. Yeah, I was right. gonna say, for all intents and purposes, he got shut out of the rotation once the ACC schedule really started to get into full swing. Um David Gasson is disappointing in the sense that he has a really, really um, intriguing body style in that he's one of those long uh, wings that can give teams defensive problems and also present as a mismatch against smaller, uh, smaller forwards and guards. But Gasson never developed offensively. Um, that's not to say that he can't, but at this point in his career, the chances of it happening are kind of slim. And, you know, we were, we were kind of sold a bill of goods on him in the off season, Mike, that people were saying, Hey, Gasson's gotten better. He's going to be able to yeah. attack offensively. They're going to work through him a little bit on that. And end. it also didn't, it also didn't help that like the very first game of the year, he didn't miss a shot and had like 17 points. It was like, oh, okay, that's what everybody was telling us about. And then yeah. that was basically it for the entire season. Yeah, he just – he's not – he's not a, a versatile offensive player. 
so while I would still like to have him on the roster because I think he is a really good depth piece, I understand if he wants to to play at a different level of basketball. Um, same thing really goes with Naheem Aline. I I was I was kind of you know almost frustrated to the point where Naheem Aline was still starting. I mean he's right. Right. he's not a he's not a bad basketball player, but uh, Naheem is limited in what he can offer you, especially on the offensive end. Um, his shooting is is incredibly hot and cold. Uh, defensively, he's pretty solid, uh, but he's not much of a creator on the offensive end. So you're not getting um, a lot of the stuff that Darius Maddox gives you at that spot uh, in terms of the explosiveness. And again, I would love to have Naheem Aline coming off the bench uh, next season, but uh, where did he end up? I forgot. Aline. Let me. UConn, somewhere in Georgia. UConn, UConn. Oh, what? Yeah, it was UConn. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Which is a pretty, you know, pretty respectable landing spot. You know, as a as a, a program that's, you know, at least theoretically going to compete for an NCAA tournament bid, and um, they're going to play a decent schedule in the American. So, um, yeah, I, I I guess we'll see. Um, neither of those losses are are catastrophic to the point right. where we start looking at the roster and we're like, okay, this, this team is no longer a serious thought to make the NCAA tournament. Now, do they, does it add questions specifically as it relates to depth? Absolutely. Um, the backcourt depth on this team is a, a kind of scary if we're being honest. Uh, they have one true point guard in Sean Padula. Rodney Rice is gonna is technically supposed to be a combo guard, so you're supposed right. to be able to get both out of him. Yep, he's gonna have to play point, um, at least in some capacity. Right. Um, outside of those two guys, you don't really have a point guard on the roster that I'm aware of. No, I mean that they're, they're coming into and. I mentioned started. I mentioned starting with the transfers, but I think naturally we just got to kind of talk about some of these freshmen they're coming into as we kind of talk about some of these guys transferring out just naturally. Naheem Aline, just to circle back real fast before I kind of expand on your point with the guards, like Naheem Aline transferring out, that seems to me like a situation where like you saw Darius Maddox eating into his minutes, right, and you saw Darius Maddox as a part of the closing lineups, right, in games, especially down the stretch of the year, ACC tournament, um, obviously get some big shots in that tournament, right? But um, you, you saw Darius Maddox in a lot of those closing lineups, um, ACC tournament, game against Texas in the NCAA tournament. And you saw Nihie Maline kind of taking a backseat, like in the closing minutes of games. And I think the writing was on the wall a little bit where you kind of have to have that tough, tough conversation, right? Where, you know, Sean Padula is going to slide into the role that Storm Murphy's vacating and become like that full-time point guard in year two. You see Maddox, if he's not going to transfer out of the program, which is the question we had coming into the offseason, if he's going to stick around, then, you know, he knows he's going to have a major, major role next year. And I think with Aline transferring out of the program now, you kind of guarantee that Maddox has an opportunity to at least slide into that two-guard position, 
yeah. to start the year. You know, he's the, he's the veteran guy at that position. Um, and Virginia Tech's in a spot now where a spot has opened up for Maddox, right? And everybody's screaming for Maddox to get more playing time because of what he provides on the offensive end. And he was providing something on that end of the floor that Naheem Aline simply wasn't providing consistently enough um, for the Hokies. And I think this is good for all parties involved. For Naheem Aline, I think he'll certainly get good playing time at UConn um, at, at a very good program under Bobby Hurley. That's, that's awesome. Um, and then for Virginia Tech, you know, I think this is a natural transition into Darius Max. Now, as far as who's going to kind of be the depth off the bench from a guard standpoint, Virginia Tech's bringing in three guards in this class. Um, MJ Collins, uh, they're, they're bringing him in. Darren Buchanan, who is all met in the D.C. area. Very, very good player. Is, then, is Buchanan a guard? He's kind of a wing. He's like... Six five six six. I mean, they're all kind of interchangeable at this point. You know what I mean? But he's kind of that two three. He's in that two three mold. Okay. And then Rodney Rice, who I think is, you know, to your point, Ricky, probably the most natural fit to kind of be that second point guard um, or that second ball handler. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of lineups next year with both Rodney Rice and Sean Padula in the game. Rice is uh, he was an unbelievable high school player, no question about that. Buchanan, also unbelievable high school player. Um, Buchanan he, is listed at 6'7", 225. So I, I, I worry that he's not going to be much of a factor at the two. Which, maybe, more, maybe more of like that Couture mold, <clears throat> right, where he's kind of in that he can handle the ball if you need him to. Otherwise, he's probably going to play off ball in like that three-wing role. Um, but I really think that Tech's in a position where they're going to kind of need some of these guys, especially Collins and, and Rice coming off the bench as freshmen to contribute, which is something that quite honestly, Mike Young hasn't always been comfortable with, um, having his freshmen contribute in a major way. You know, we were kind of screaming for that in the early part of this year where the freshmen kind of weren't playing enough. Everybody was talking about Padula and then Maddox for all intents and purposes. He was kind of a freshman. He didn't play a ton last year. Um, so coming into this past year, everybody's yelling for Maddox to get more playing time, Padula to get more playing time, and it ended up paying dividends. That was kind of going away from the mold for Mike Young. That's not something he was always comfortable doing. Yeah, and the reality of the roster is, is that they're going to need Collins and Rice to – to play significant minutes and Mike Young's not going to have an option of playing Rodney Rice five minutes a game, you know, like um, we, we saw Sean Padula. It, it, it took Mike Young a while to really give Padula those big minutes. And I think that was a mistake. Yeah. And I think uh, Mike Young would tell you at this point that it was a mistake. I mean, I think he'd openly say like, I should have trusted the, should have trusted some of those young guys maybe a little bit more quickly, but it's well, he doesn't. I mean, delicate balance. He's not going to have a choice this year. No, um, no, the roster is not constructed in a way. Yeah, you know, um, where he's going to have a choice. Some of these guys are going to have to play. Yeah, and and they're going to have to play serious minutes. Um, I would I would argue that they're going to need Rodney Rice to play at least fifteen minutes a game. Um, and obviously they're going to need to have him in bigger spots, uh, depending on, 
uh, foul trouble and things of that nature, uh, or, you know, depending on what kind of lineups they're seeing, Rodney Rice is certainly going to have to play a fair amount. Now you might be able to get away with not playing MJ Collins all that much. If you're going to go with kind of a bigger lineup, uh, which can, I think is a good transition for us to get into some of these, these front court guys, you mentioned Buchanan who, um, I'm, I'm curious to see if he is, you know, kind of that, that two, three hybrid, who's a, a bigger two, three hybrid, or if he's more of a three, four hybrid, um, which, uh, I'm, I, I think that may end up being the case given his size. But the one thing the Hokies do have is the front court depth this year. Um, Grant Basile, who has transferred in, uh, you would figure he's going to pencil in as a starter for, for Virginia Tech next year. Uh, John Camden from Memphis uh, did not play uh, at all. Really, I think he might have gotten in one or two games at Memphis last year, uh, but he's extremely green. Um, new guy who's who's going to be getting his first real shot at at, at serious minutes. Lynn Kidd is back. Uh, I don't know what to expect from him and the freshman Patrick Wessler at seven foot, which um, like any, that guys. And, well, you know, it's funny. I was just about to say, anytime someone says seven feet, the first thing you think of is size. And it's like, right. well, uh, Satchel Page had some good size, too. Satchel Pierce. For those. Satchel for those, Pierce. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> edit that out. Satchel Pierce had some. Nah, he, nah, no, we can't edit that out. He was a good pitcher back in the day as well. <laughs> Satchel Pierce had plenty of size as well, and we saw how that turned out. Um, Hall of Fame pitcher, even better person on the floor. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have made that mistake several times. Don't feel bad about that one. It's that's, been an easy, so that's an easy long. mistake to make. Yeah, right. God, I'm trying to remember. Like, was that was that 2014 that that Satchel Pierce was playing? It was a long time ago. I mean, do we? Because I'm pretty sure it was Buzz's season? first year, right? It was Buzz Williams's first year. Yeah, I mean, do we want to get into Virginia Tech bigs that have been forgotten about? How about Shane Henry? Oh my God, <laughs> I actually liked Shane Henry. Like, I don't think he was used properly. Like Shane, Shane Henry was that like super long, athletic guy who they should have just tried to run the floor with, because like. He, He's not someone that could have hold up, you know, held up inside consistently, but right. he was more athletic than most of the bigs he was running against. Um, but yeah, I I I I like Shane Henry. He, I, I always liked his game. Me too. Um, he was just long and lanky, more so than uh, Satchel Page. How about Joey Van Zegren? Oh man, I mean, a I'm name going I haven't back. heard in a while. Listen, Ricky, I'm going back to the James Johnson days when I was a student and yes. I was watching really, really bad basketball. I saw back Seth when, back when Devin Wilson was playing like Allen Iverson yeah, and shooting basically. like 25, 25 shots a game. Averaging like 18 and 12 assists because we literally had nobody else. And that was like the year after Eric Green led the nation in scoring. I mean, it was, I mean, there were some bad Virginia Tech teams in there like really bad teams but like they played hard so they were easy to root for but they're so bad so bad <laughs> so bad different time well, i mean 
what are you expecting from John Camden? Because I'm not sure what the answer is. Yeah, so, I mean, I, good question. I mean, he was highly touted recruit, right? Um, well, I mean, kind of, sort of. I mean, he wasn't like a – he was a top 150 guy, according right. to, to 247's composite. Right. But – that doesn't mean a whole lot considering there's fewer guys that are playing. He was still a three-star recruit for Memphis. Yeah. And he got hurt. I mean, he played like a game and a half last year, got hurt, never saw the court again. So it's kind he did of have like He did have a pretty, a pretty solid offer list, right? Memphis, yeah. obviously, Florida, Indiana, Miami, Syracuse, uh, A&M. Wake Forest, Xavier. So he had some pretty solid offers. I mean, every school you named is a tournament team, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, year in, year out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great that Tech has him. He's going to play a role. I think what getting Camden in the door allows you to do is it allows you a little bit more time to um, develop a guy like Patrick Wessler coming in as a seven foot center as a freshman. Right. And I know that, you know, when you're bringing in Camden, it's not like he's that much older. Right. But he's been in a college program for, you know, a couple of years, right. A year and a half. Um, the ins and outs of college basketball, obviously much different than in high school. So Camden at least has that under his belt. But I mean, it, it goes back to a larger point where, you know, Virginia tech has, put a emphasis in the transfer portal um, specifically on getting guys help in the front court who have veteran experience because outside of Camden, they bring in Melagio Petit, you know, out of Rice, they bring in Grant Basile, who we talked about out of Wright State. He's been a very productive player there. Um, so I, I just think that it's going to be interesting to see kind of how these pieces all connect because there are going to be so many new pieces next year. But I think what we're seeing in the front court is, at the very least, Virginia Tech's going to have experience. And then it's going to come down to how many of these young guys are able to contribute. Because I really, in, in my mind, that's going to lead to and really going to give us an idea of what the ceiling is for this team. You know, how many of these young guys are able to contribute in a meaningful way and make an impact. Not, I'm not saying like Darius Mack is a freshman where he played like, you know, in, in five or six games and, you know, was basically just playing in the non-conference schedule. Like, we don't need any more, like, John Ogiaco-type players who you see in the non-conference and you don't see him again when you get to ACC play. Like, we need guys contributing for the entire year. You know, I, I want to see I want to see guys getting minutes like Sean Padula did towards the end of the year and Darius Max did towards the end of the year where young guys are really starting to immerse themselves in the rotation. Like, that's what I want to see from the outset next year so that, look, even if some of the games are ugly in the early going, at least you're getting these guys meaningful experience. Um, and I think that's going to be really important as the year goes on. It's going to help this team gel with so many new pieces. Melijal Poti is 6'9", 260. Yeah. That's a big boy. He's big. Um, big. Unfortunately, though, he's not much of a defender according to some of the basic stats. So I don't know what to expect from Poti. He's extremely efficient. Um, career 62% uh, from the field. Uh, career 70% from the free throw line. Um, I'm curious to see how Mike Young is able to fit him in. 
some people are saying that Grant Basile is is kind of a KV Aluma build. Um, my only concern with that is Basile shot 28% from three last year on 138 attempts. Uh, that's pretty inefficient. Um, is are we are we hyping Basile too much? I mean, you know me. I've got to ask this question. It's really, really difficult to project guys coming from Smaller these mid majors, yeah, coming to a, a big time program like Virginia Tech is kind of turning into in the ACC, where they're like a very competitive program and a good basketball conference. Like it's hard to it's really hard to project these guys consistently, Rick. I mean, Mutz and Aluma, like Virginia Tech struck gold with those guys, right? But, I mean, I think it would be unreasonable for Virginia Tech fans to expect Mike Young to hit on every single one of those guys. It doesn't happen. It's got nothing to do with Mike Young himself. It's not, it's not to say that, you know, he's, he's going to be a poor evaluator if he misses on one or two of these guys. Everybody misses on guys. Tech has, been, Tech has been pretty pretty fortunate with a lot of their transfers. You think back to Seth Allen and Zach Ladey and what those two guys meant to the Buzz Williams era and yep. what they meant to the program. KV Luma, uh, Justin Mutz, you know, Storm Murphy was not the same player he was at Wofford, but Storm ended up being a, a, a solid contributor on a team that won an ACC championship. Um, the Hokies have had really good success with these transfers coming in. And that just means that the expectations are going to be high for every single transfer that comes in, especially when they average 18 and eight, um, even if it was at a mid-major. Um, you know, right. he's, he's an extremely experienced player. He's got 51 starts over his last two seasons. He's a career 52% shooter from the floor. Um, I just – I don't want I don't want everyone to automatically assume that the loss of KV Aluma is now a moot point. Right. Because Tech is bringing in Grant Basile. Is that is that fair? Yeah, no, totally fair. Um I I think Tech just needs to Tech fans need to be patient with this team next year because I think the team has the capability of certainly being good. Um, I think there's enough talent for his team to be a good team next year. But a lot of that hinges on unknowns at this point. It hinges on even more so than last year. We were talking about going into the year last year, Ricky. We talked about these kind of new additions, right? And we we're talking about, okay, Darius Max getting more playing time. We were talking about, you know, at the time, David Gusan, right? Like emerging. We we're talking about Storm Murphy, you know, turning into this big time player, right? That that's that's what everybody was hoping for. Like folks had questions um, about this team, but I think by and large, they didn't have the same types of questions that we have going into next year with this current roster. There's so many moving pieces, transfers, new guys, right? Like four freshmen coming in. In addition to three transfers, that's seven new players coming on, onto this team next year. This roster is going to be uh, incredibly different and I think the play style is going to be a lot different as well. I, 
I, I don't think that Virginia Tech has a KV Luma on the roster. Uh, I, I understand that Basile is an offensively gifted five, and that's helpful, but KV was a bit is a bit of a unique player in his ability because he can stretch the floor so much. Uh, and he was efficient in doing so. Um, but yeah, this rotation, I mean, think about it. So, so from last year's rotation, you have Padula, Couture, Maddox. Am I missing anyone? No. Um, Couture, so, Maddox, Padula. So, so you figure at least that's half about of, it. You figure more than half of the rotation this year are going to be guys that are new to the new to the program. That's going to take some time to gel. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think it would be unreasonable for Virginia Tech fans to come out here next year and expect that Virginia Tech right away is going to have all these guys, no matter what their potential is, just click right away. Like the last thing I want is Virginia Tech fans to start to panic if Rodney Rice comes in and doesn't average 15 a game. Like some fans have these expectations for him that he's going to come in and just be an absolute superstar right away, which he might be. Could be. I don't think he's going to average 15 a game right away, but I hope he averages 15 minutes a game right away. <laughs> <laughs> let's start. Well, like, let's let's start with that, right? Yeah, just let's get him on the that. floor. <laughs> because that would, I mean, because that would be Mike Young stepping out of his comfort zone and and giving giving freshmen these big minutes, no matter what kind of prospect they are. Mike Young's had big time prospects on his team before, Rick. We've seen Joe enough. Banisil? We've Maddox? seen enough Hunter Couture playing the point guard to know that that's not an ideal situation. Right. He's he's not the guy you really want as being a ball handler. And there's a reason why the the two-point guard lineup towards the end of last season was so productive offensively because Couture, even as the two, is not a great secondary ball handler. Um, so, right. you know, you have Maddox now. He can be kind of a secondary ball handler but you still don't want to have to have Sean Padula play 35 plus minutes a game every night. Um, right. Sure. Some nights, but he's going to have to get some breaks. Um, starting lineup, Padula, Couture, Maddox, Poteet, Basile. Thoughts? Probably. Probably. Although I mean, Poteet has never played. Uh, our averaged more than 14 minutes a season or a game. I could, I could see them. I could see them playing Camden. Um, Even though he's got way less experience than Poti. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, a lot of it too will depend on how big of a lineup does Mike Young want to have in there? Um, because what we've seen out of the, these Mike Young teams, I mean, Aluma, Virginia Tech didn't play with a big last year, right? I mean, Aluma is considered a big, but he did a little bit of everything, right? Well, he, he was – he's an he's an offensive big in the sense right. that, you know, he yeah, was able yes. to post up yes. and, and get mm -hmm. scores around the basket. But Virginia Tech played with a lineup that could be five out, no in, right? Because they had, they, they had, you know, four and a half shooters on the floor, Justin Mutz being the, being the half. Right. Um, if you – if you go with a Padula, Couture, Maddox, Basile, Camden lineup, you theoretically have five shooters on the floor. Right. Um, right. 
And I think Mike Young's, always, Mike Young's always going to aim for that too. He's always going to aim to have as many shooters on the floor as possible. I mean, that's been his offense from the get-go. And I think at yeah. Wofford, it was out of necessity just because you can only recruit a certain type of athlete to Wofford, right? You've got to have kind of like wings who can kind of all, you know, do it all versus like Virginia Tech's the first time. I think he's really had the opportunity where he's been able to recruit like very, very talented bigs. Um, but that's not going to stop him from running his stuff. Like we know what his offense is. Like Virginia Tech is going to is going to be one of the top five teams in the nation of like three hundred plus schools that attempt three pointers, right? I mean that's just that's what they do. They shoot threes, right? And it's great when they're hitting, um, and and when they're not, they're not. But I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on how much size do you want on the floor versus how much shooting do you want on the floor. And I think more often than not, Mike Young is going to choose the shooting. <laughs> yeah, he wants his teams to shoot the three ball. And he wants his teams to defend their ass off. And if you don't turn the ball over as well, like that's a big, a big part of his system too, because, you know, possessions are at a premium with his system. You got to defend, got to hit a bunch yeah, of Yeah, because threes. they don't, they don't run the floor all that much. Right. And, you know, Mike Young loves to run his sets. And um, I actually like that, that style. Um, cause it seems like so much now it, basketball has become a, a, a pace and space game. Whereas Mike young is more like just a space game, right? He's just trying to get, right. just trying to, to space out his offense as much as possible and force the defense to cover as much of the field as possible. Um, so by my understanding with Poti on the roster, tech has two open scholarships. Um, that that assumes Justin Mutz is not coming back. Is Virginia Tech done in the transfer portal? I mean, they've added, what, one, two, three guys already. Yeah, I... Basile, Camden, Poteet, four, four new freshmen coming in. That's seven new guys on the roster. Um, I I think they're probably done. I think this is the roster. Um, Even I mean, with look, those open scholarships? I think they'll try to add guys, but you know, if you have if you if you have a couple of scholarships to open at the bottom of the roster, yeah, it, it allows you the opportunity to to bring somebody back. It allows Justin Mutz the opportunity to come back, right? He's still got time. Um, so I think they're leaving a scholarship open, obviously for, for just in case, but what it does do Ricky too, it, it allows roster flexibility in the future. Right. Um, Virginia tech's in a position now where even though you're bringing on four freshmen, you're in a position where now you have one additional scholarship to offer next year. Right. Um, at, at the high school level. So. I mean, I, I think there's opportunities still that the team will explore in the portal. I would not be shocked to see them add somebody else. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me at all. My gut tells me they're probably done. Um, maybe they add a couple fringe guys, who knows? But I think the major, major pieces are, are probably set at this point. Yeah, theoretically, there there's not going to be very many minutes available uh, to anyone that they bring in at this right. stage. So 
any any player that you add in the transfer portal at this point is really just trying to fill out your roster and make sure that your numbers are are comfortable. Right. Um, I would I would like to see Virginia Tech add another guard um, and have six guards on the roster because right now I'm only seeing five, um, and I I think it's I think it would be beneficial to have a sixth, um, especially if it's someone who is only going to have a scholarship for one year uh, and is maybe someone who can give you some minutes off the bench. Um, I don't know if that player is in the portal, but if it is, that would be kind of my ideal addition. Um, I mean, they're, they're in a, they're in a spot too, Rick, with like the bigs, especially. I think that, you're going to see kind of a different, a little bit different style of basketball next year. Because what, what Justin Mutz and Keve Aluma allowed you to do is kind of have the best of both worlds where you were able to dump it into Aluma and play inside out a little bit. I'm not sure Virginia Tech's going to have that ability next year. Because I'm not sure how many of these guys are traditional post players. I mean, even if you look at a guy like John Camden, at the high school level, he stepped out and hit a bunch of threes. <laughs> like, he wasn't – I mean, Tech was, Tech was really in on Camden from a recruiting standpoint. They really, really won him before he went to Memphis. Um, Tech was in on him. And he goes to Memphis. And, I mean, Mike Young is not going to recruit a guy who just stands underneath the basket – like Satchel Pierce did. Satchel Page, you know. I was going to say um, Satchel who? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're going to see, point being, I think we're going to see a little bit different offense next year because even with, I, I get that Mutz could hit, step out, hit like 15, 16 footer. He'd take, take threes every once in a while and hit him. I understand Aluma had the ability to hit like jump shots from the elbow and occasional threes. But Virginia Tech's going to be able to add two more shooters to the floor, right? Like Grandpa Seal can shoot. Can, can shoot. I mean, he's not necessarily the greatest three-point shooter in the world, um, but he he does have a nice mid-range game. Um, Virginia Tech, I think, at the center position, the one that's or, – or the second forward, however you want to characterize it, right? That Kevin Aluma spot, I think, is going to be a better shooter there. I'm not saying they won't be as – they will be as offensively skilled as Kevin Aluma because I think that's unreasonable to expect, but I do think you're going to see a different style of player at that position. Um, than we've seen the last few years. So that part's going to be really interesting to watch, just the, just kind of the style change, subtle style change offensively, because Mike Young's teams are going to run their stuff. They're going to shoot a bunch of threes. We know what the offense is going to look like, Ricky, but it's just going to be different personnel. And I think that part's kind of exciting. So the only, uh, the only team in Virginia Tech that's been as active as Virginia Tech men's basketball is – Virginia Tech women's basketball, uh, which has added a plethora of players to this point. Um, and one of them uh, is an All-American, Ashley Awusu from Woodbridge, which is up near where you're at, I believe, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, two-time AP All-American at Maryland, a thousand-point scorer. Um, yeah. Yep. When the when in the hell has Virginia Tech ever gotten an All American to transfer into the program in any sport? I mean, right? that's 
that's pretty that's pretty unheard of. I mean, Kenny Brooks is putting together a nice little nice yeah. little team. Kenny Kenny's Kenny's that dude. I, I, I don't care what anybody says. I'm a I'm a huge Kenny Brooks fan. Um Taylor Sewell, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Um, an all ACC player from Boston College. It's actually the second Boston College player that they signed. Um I'm trying to remember the the center's name. Um Clara Ford. Yeah. So yeah. you know, Virginia Tech obviously did not have the NCAA tournament showing that they would have liked um, getting bounced early in the first round. Uh, but that was a figured, tough matchup, man. That was, that was not the greatest draw. No, but still, I, I think everyone is, I think it's fair to say that it was a disappointing. Yes. Yes. yes, it, yes. It, it was a disappointing. Uh, no question. End of the season. So no question. You look at this roster next year, Georgia Moore's back. Uh, that's that's big, right? Uh, Kayla King hopefully will be healthy and back. Um, obviously, Liz Kitley, who yeah, yeah. was one of the best players in the country. Um, and I mean, you would, I mean, one would be shocked if she is not playing in the WNBA uh, after the season. Um, and then the transfers that they've brought in, there's no reason to think that this team couldn't be, um, Again, a top what three or four team in the ACC? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I'm I not mean, gonna, I'm not gonna act like I know the, the, the future landscape of the ACC in terms of next season for women's basketball. But considering where they were at this year, and I know they lose Asia Shepherd, and that's that's gonna be, that's uh, yeah, right. th- yeah, because she that's she was not just a productive player. Uh, on the floor, but um, definitely a, a leader in the locker room. Um, but I think I, th- I think the talent's question, there. And I, and I think to answer your question, you're going to be hard pressed to find uh, a list, a preseason list where Virginia Tech isn't one of the top two or three teams in the ACC going into next year on the women's side. I mean, I this is, I mean, they, they got a lineup full of all Americans and all conference players. <laughs> now, the, the question, right? Isn't the talent level. The question is how well do the new pieces gel? Because I mean, you could be all big 10 or, you know, an all American somewhere else. And then you come in and you got to share the floor with Liz Kitley, who's also an all American, right? So it's not third team, all American ACC player of the year this year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like you just wake up, snap your fingers, and all of a sudden the entire team gels. Now, is there potential there for them to be one of the best teams in the country next year? Yeah. Like, not just the ACC. Like, this could be a, a top 10 team next year. Because it, it was, at times during the year, it was damn near a top 10 team this year. Like, they, they were they were a top 20 team for most of the season. And I and think they, they, they lost to, N, if I remember correctly, they lost to NC State three times, and two of those losses were, like, within five points. Right. And NC State is obviously one of the better teams in the country. Right. Awesome. I mean, really, really good team. So, and Tech played with them every single time. Every single time they were in those games. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is going to be a really, really talented team next year. And Kenny Brooks is a really good coach. I have no doubt he'll make the pieces work. So, I mean, if there's any question, you know, I, 
I pose these questions, we pose these questions because that's that's what we do, right? It's just give gives fans, you know, something else to think about. Not to be negative, but you know, that is a question. How do all these new pieces fit around existing stars, right? Because Kitley is a star, Georgia Amor, rising star, very good player, right? Like, how do all the pieces fit around what was already there for Virginia Tech? That's that's the question going into next year. So this is something I was just thinking of, and um, you know, maybe I'm uh, a prisoner of the moment, but I can't recall another time in my lifetime when there was there were so many sports that were not only playing at a, an incredibly high level within the within the the entire university but also had like a lot of hope for the future right um, I, I agree like football yes has been a a problem for multiple seasons now uh and you hope that that is turning around. Um, there, there is, there is reason for legitimate hope with the football program, right? This is not 2021 where you're like, oh god, we have another year of Justin Fuente. Right, right. right. Um, you actually have reason to believe that that something can come of this. Energy. Yeah. Men's Good basketball. Energy. Yeah, I mean, Good men's energy. basketball just won the ACC tournament. Um, they figure to be competing for another uh, NCAA tournament bid. Women's basketball just made the NCAA tournament. Uh, they've just added an All-American in, through the transfer portal. Um, that team figures to be one of the better teams in the country, at least a top 25 team. Uh, Virginia Tech baseball is fifth in the country, uh, yep. according to D1Baseball.com which is absolutely unheard of in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, they've never, softball, they've never been this good, like yeah, quite this good for as long Virginia as I Tech softball is second in the country, uh, which historically the softball program has been pretty good. Yep. Um, but this is approaching like as good as it's ever been. Yep. Um, there's so many different, there's just so many things that are going on right now that are really good for the university. And I bring this up because um, Whip Babcock has gotten a lot of heat from some folks and sometimes including myself yep. uh, for some of the hires he's made or um, Virginia Tech's slow growth and fundraising, um, the, the athletic department's uh, messaging problems that have come up at times but you look across the board right now and it's hard to not feel like this athletic program in general is trending in the right direction especially when you consider that Virginia Tech has been uh, very open and uh, progressive about utilizing NIL to better their athletes and their situations I don't remember a time where the, the state of the athletic department has been in a better spot. And well, to your point, I, mean, Ricky, I, I, I don't know if I would go to that point because Virginia tech did compete for a national championship in football. Well, so I was just going to say like 
football is really the drive. It's the driver, right? Um, My point was that, like, never have we seen it across so many different sports. Right, right. Because even when Virginia Tech was at their peak from a football standpoint, you didn't see the success with the other programs at the level that you're seeing right now. And if Virginia Tech's football program can get, can get back to a level where they're nationally relevant again, um, and I'm not asking for them to be a national championship program in like a year or two, it's unrealistic, but can they be a team that is competing for ACC championships, being nationally relevant, college game days back in Blacksburg, there are big primetime night games in Blacksburg that matter. Like get back to that level, kind of the level they were at in year two under Justin Fuente, right? Um, and, and even the early part of year three, like, can you get back to that point? Uh, cause if you can, and you talk about the success of like the rest of the athletic department right now, there's potential that the athletic department will be in a better spot than it's ever been. In. And I think football is obviously the revenue driver, a pivotal part of that. And the football program has to be good. But when you see a success of all the other programs, definitely encouraging. I'm I'm really hopeful that this that this keeps up. Um, do Do you remember in 2017 the hype that was surrounding that Tech Clemson game in yeah. Lane Stadium? Do you remember that? Yeah, I was there. Wasn't that fun? It was a awesome like like game day. Obviously, not the the result of the game. That was not fun. Right. Uh, but like the the hype and the pomp and circumstance surrounding that game and and the the, the hopefulness that everyone had going into that game tech desperately needs that back from a football standpoint. Yeah. It, it really does lift all boats when, when football is running hot. Yeah. Um, Cause that was just a, like things were just different, man, for that, that particular week. I don't, I don't remember a time since I, since I attended Virginia Tech, which I started in 2013, um, I don't remember a time since I started, you know, when I first attended Tech as a student where um, there was that much hype around a particular game. I know the Ohio State game garnered a lot of hype, and that's fair, uh, but Virginia Tech was not not seriously considered to be a contender. Virginia Tech was 12th in the country when they played Clemson. Yeah. And and yeah. they had and they had them coming into their house. That was just a, a, such an odd such an odd memory I just had. Um <laughs> you never know what's going on inside this head. I'm talking about, you know, Satchel Page and and games from 5 years ago. Um we've probably hit just about everything we need to in this podcast uh before we start to wrap things up. Um Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is yes. is like is is like the the epicenter of downtown Blacksburg. Like all all of the all of the positive energy that 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 emanates that emanates through through Blacksburg comes from Main Street Pharmacy, um, and because of that, you should support them and and, and you should patronize their business. Couldn't agree more. Shout out, Jeremy. <laughs> Be a neighbor, not a number. That's right. Shout out, shout out, Andrew. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Mike, do you have anything to add? 
no, I think think we're good. We're gonna spend we're gonna spend some time soon on this nil stuff. Um, yeah, I need to educate myself a bit more on the on the specifics. I feel like, uh, but I think I think there's a general feeling that this is not headed in the right direction. Yeah, especially if it's left unchecked. Um, Pin me in that camp. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll plant my flag there. Yeah, the the Jordan Addison stuff. Um, I, I think was one of the first, one of the first uniting pieces of, uh, uh, or one of the first uniting events of the NIL era, in which everyone kind of looked at that and was like, eh, "I don't, I don't really like it." Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. that that reeks. So we'll be putting. So together- that's what tampering. So that's what tampering looks like when it's out there in the clear for the entire world to see. Yeah, yeah. So we'll be putting together a, an episode for NIL stuff here soon. Um, there's all sorts of things that we'll be talking about this offseason. Andrew will be back soon. Um, we'll be following the baseball and softball team closely as they prepare for the NCAA tournament, um, which is just awesome that we're going to have both of those programs uh, in the NCAA tournament, which is at the same time, which is just uh, awesome. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Um, yep. Anything else you got, Mikey? Nah, man. Go, um, go follow Mike on Twitter at uh, Mike McDaniel SI. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. Yep. Uh, mine's just Ricky the Blue. Um, Andrew Alex, I believe, is still Andrew Alex Radio. As far as we know, until yeah. further notice. Yeah, until further notice um but yeah make sure you go follow us on twitter hit us up make sure you subscribe to the podcast share it with your friends leave us a five-star review uh tweet at us uh let you know what you think of each episode um if you have any particular topics that you'd like us to cover uh throughout the off season please do not hesitate uh to bring those up uh also mike i just want to uh point out that even though my orioles lost today uh, they're better than your Red Sox. So, okay, I, um, I'm not. I've, I'm not going to sit here and, and defend the Red Sox. They're a horrible, horrible baseball team. They make me. Are you going to Are you going to defend the Celtics' effort last night? <laughs> Can't defend that. But what I can defend is the Celtics winning by 13 tonight and forcing Game Seven. I can defend that. Did Did they win? They won. Nice, yes, they nice. Won. There you go. Yeah, Tatum at 44, 45. Mm-hmm. Tatum at 45. He's pretty good. He's pretty Uh, good. Pretty good player. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thanks for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week. Andrew should be back. Uh, Tweet at us. Until then, go Hookies. Mm -hmm.